This is Philip Washington of the Ask Philip podcast. I'm doing a special episode today, y'all. I talk a lot about investing, but in order to be a really good investor, you have to really understand business and marketing. The best investors and a lot of what I use to be a good investor come from me running, operating, starting businesses and talking to different business people. So I'm going to bring y'all into a privileged conversation today with Matt Houston from The Porch Podcast out of Dallas and DeRoe of DeRoe Music, one of the biggest Dallas artists, did it as an independent, which is unheard of, and did it before it was really cool. Everybody wants to be independent today, but he was doing it back when we were in college, having some bangers out there. So come in the conversation today. We're going to talk about marketing, branding, and the music business. All right, this this for folks that's live. I'm hanging out with Matt Houston. What's up with it? And DeRoe. What's up with DeRoe it? DeRoe Music. Yes, sir. The uh, man. And we got and we gotta get the man behind it. There he is. Hey, uh-huh. hey man. Got the professional in this bad boy. Yes, sir. So what I what I wanna do is um I talk a lot about investing. Yep. A lot about business, um, but I have the unique position to talk with my boy Matt and DeRoe about music, business, and marketing, which I think we all are doing in different ways, but I want to put the spotlight today on DeRoe because um, you have been able to uh, become a platinum artist yeah. uh, with no big record label, right. um, which is like unheard of, right? And, and and you did it before it was like the aspiration of, of all the new rap, because all the, all the rappers now want to do it, yeah. and some have done it, but you did it like, I mean, you know, we we were in college listening to your music. Yeah. That's, that's Ice like, cream paint we're job, old, man. So, so man, so, so where I want to start is, how'd you, how'd you get into business? Um, you know, and let's start like in the very beginning, like how'd you fall in love with music? Man, it started like it's crazy because really my first love naturally, you know, uh, was 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 sports, was basketball, you know, uh, and I didn't really realize that uh, I I had a strong love for music until I got in high school. But when I when I in retrospect, when I think about it, it really started when I was way younger, and it started with my sister because. Nobody in my family really did music. Like nobody was ever like nobody was ever like a musician or played instruments or or, or like was a rapper or like a singer. No, nobody in my family was ever that. So when I think about it now, the only person that was musically inclined to anything was my sister. She was like a uh, like step team dancer. She used to do a lot of the uh, like African dances, a lot of ballerina type stuff. You know what I'm saying? But she used to always. I, I, I'm like the youngest of eleven. You know what I'm saying? So, like, but I grew up, and when I grew up, it was only, like, five of us in the house. Everybody else was older. So, I only, I grew up amongst brothers, and she was my only sister. That, wow. Yeah, yeah. That Ooh, I was wait. So, she used to always, like, pull, like, my brother, and we was always in sports, <laughs> and I was doing them, but she used to always pull me to the side away from them, and, like, make me do stuff with her, like, listen to music, and just, like, build it. Everything so that I'm doing a traditional now. macho type sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she, you know what I'm saying? Because she, she was like, she was the older sister. So she used to like, me and my brothers in between, they was all older than me too. We always got into it. But she was like the one that like protected me from them. You uh, know what I'm saying? 
So what she would do is she would like take me like to the room and would, like make me do different stuff from what I naturally do, which is I play sports and play the game, just do all the stuff you know like boys do. But she yeah. would be like, "Now nah, you need to do it different. You need to be, you know you need to be different." She just always say that. I never knew what she meant, but anyway, she was like maybe listen to music and different type of music. Is that like I you know it was, you know she was like in the Lauren Hill a lot of like. Erica Badu, like, yeah, so yeah, she was real like that. But like real my brothers was completely opposite. Like they, everything else was Bone Thugs and Harmony, and Tupac, and you know what I'm saying. So, so, but what, what I, what I, what was happening though is like you know I was actually when growing a love for music through her, you know, by listening to stuff that I would never naturally listen to. So I think that now when I think about it now, that's really where it came from. Yeah. And then it didn't, it didn't like come up out of me until like later on. Uh, but yeah, you know, I started in high school is when I really, when I really jumped off the porch to do music. And what high school did you go to? I went to Lancaster High okay, School. Okay, Lancaster mm -hmm. LHS in the house. Yeah, yeah. Tigerland. So, and I was the captain of the basketball team. Like I, I was actually real popular and known for sports, for basketball, you know. Uh, and my older brothers and were too, you know, so like, I already kind of had like by the time I was like a, I was a four year varsity eleven, which at that time was big. Yeah, like, fresh freshman varsity, varsity. Yeah, man. And our school was a basketball mm. school. We it was a big school where people came out across the city to watch us play. Well, it was a powerhouse, so, man, especially at the time. Who, so, so, yeah. so, so who was the other team then? Lancaster. Oh, Lancaster at that time. Okay. Yeah, yeah Lancaster. Yeah. So late, I, I, late we, 90s, we, we was the rivals. Yep. Yep. We at that time they had like Darrell Arthur, who's yep. still in the NBA, NBA, you know, Slim. And like that was the rivals. And then you know, like we, even that time we were better than Carter. We were better than everybody. The only team that beat us at that time was Sock and Siegelville. Siegelville wow. had the best school. They was also, yeah, Donald Sloan, they all, yeah. So, like, okay. it was real big at that time. It was, them was the top schools, Lancaster, Siegelville, South, and Fort Worth, Dunbar. Like, those yep. were the top schools. Legendary coach thing. up so, there. Yeah, so, like, at that time, basketball was a big thing. It was a big world. That's what I was in tune. And I was real popular amongst that. So, by the time I got maybe sophomore, junior year, like, that's when, like, the music started coming out of me. But I was more influenced by, like, the Texas music. Scene that had came about the UGK, the yes. Switch House, a little flip, and then even the Dallas group DSR. DSR, DSR, Tom Tom Fat B, Lancaster. Then they go to Lancaster. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what really by knowing by actually knowing them shout as out people. Big Tuck. Yeah, shout out to Tuck Tom, all them and Fat B. By actually knowing them as people, it made me feel like, uh, oh, it, it's doable, you know, because you know sometimes you got to, especially as a child, you got to see stuff to even know it's doable, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? I remember even being younger and writing music lyrics, but never thinking that like to be an artist or to record it, it was just something I would do. Yeah. And then by the time I was a sophomore in high school, I, I jumped off the porch basically. After I seen like, okay, there's people out here in Texas doing this, people out here in Dallas doing it, jumped off the porch and, and I immediately had like what I would call a certain level of success that kept me in it because I was already influential amongst like my peers in school yep. because of basketball and like I was the captain of the team so I had influence so when I jumped into I, I immediately started doing mixtapes and I had a following right from the jump you know nice. what I'm saying I was selling mixtapes in school and I just had like a, a following and I was the captain of the team so we would run out to our music so, so you can't pass this so, so go back to this because this, this is what I like the hustle man so selling mixtapes yeah so yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah. so so, so that's so, entrepreneurial hey man I like that man so 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 and by the way uh for y'all young folks 
He said mixed tapes, right? The like, tapes, bro. Yeah, tapes back pop, in the day. Pop trunk productions, though. So, 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 how, so how did that go, man? Like, what, what, what was the goal? How many tapes you try to sell a week? Well, actually, they was called mixed tapes, but they was actually CDs. They was, okay. you know, we was burning CDs at that time, but like we were burning CDs and selling. But like that's, I literally remember going to school. I would burn a hundred CDs, and like maybe in the first two or three days of that week, I would have them all sold, and I would sell them anywhere between five, ten, and some even some people even buy them for twenty. So like at this time I was working at McDonald's and then in the summer I was working at FedEx. I literally was able to stop quit working because I was selling mixtapes. You know what I'm saying? Like and that was that was all the inspiration I needed to be able to just say, you know, this is what I really wanted to do. But that hustle was crazy. I mean I was selling to and I and I was a respected student as well. Like I was I was into like I was a smart student. I, I you know, I was in you know, I was in sports, but I also A's and B's. So, like, the teachers, like, really, like, respected me as well. So, I was able to sell mixtapes <laughs> to teachers. Yeah, man. So, I'm like, good. yeah, yeah. So, like, I had, like, I didn't, but I didn't realize at the time that, like, that, and that's when I even learned now, like, when you really just build up, it's really just about building up, like, um, you know, when you build your brand or any kind of brand, yeah. You know, it, it resonates in different areas if, you know, if you, you know, you strive to... Well, the relatability to build your base. People, exactly. People want, people want to support people who they can identify with. Exactly. So. And, but see, at that time, I, I, I didn't realize that's what was going on. But mm-hmm. so, long story short, uh, that, was, that was happening. And when I graduated high school, you know, I had scholarship offers to play basketball uh, in my senior year. So, with my junior and senior year, I was dealing with some adversities at home, like between my family, a lot of stuff going on. So it was kind of stirring me away. I was starting to get less passionate about sports, but everybody around me was more passionate about me playing basketball than I was. Well, I should take it out. Yeah, and, and, and I was and I and I was and I was a dope player. Like I, if I really put my mind to, that's I could have went that lane. But then again, it's it's it's. I seen too many people that were super great in sports and, and, and didn't get to the end of the road where they were trying to go with it because you don't have as much control over right. over that as you, you would want to. You know yeah. what I'm saying? What did you play? What position? Back, I was a point guard. So, and I was a. Were, so, you, your, were you this height at that point? I, so, so I grew to this height. So, my sophomore year, I was the smallest person on the team. I used to be a real short person. You know what I'm saying? In eighth grade, I used to have a big fro. I thought I was Alan Iverson. I was, that was my <laughs> That's style. Real. Yeah, so I, number sophomore, three? yeah, number three, everything. That's you know what I'm saying? Sophomore year, I broke my ankle and I had a cast on my uh, on my ankle. And in that, in, in the sequence where I was in the cast, I grew four or five inches in the cast. I grew out the cast to where- Busting out. Yeah, to where they, I had to get it took off and get another cast on before it fully healed. I had a major growth spurt. So my junior year, I came back like really taller than everybody on the team, but I was like lanky. I was time. about to say, yeah. y'all, y'all probably can't see because he's sitting down. Most hip hop artists, you think that they're bigger than life and they're kind of small. Now I'm at DeRoe's legit. What, 6'1", 6'2"? 6'3", actually. 6'3", man. I, I, I looked up at this, bro. I was like, I'm glad I did some push-ups today, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nah, I'm being like... By the time my senior year, you know, I started feeling that, I started getting lifting, and, uh, you know, I was, but I was a tall point guard, which gave me advantage. But see, yeah. I was a point guard all my life, so, you know, I, was, you know, I had handles. handles and everything, mm-hmm. so I was tall, so nobody couldn't, I, no guard could, could really guard me, so that was my, my, strate- my strategic point. Sock had some short point guards. They did, and, and I had to stick, so I was the point guard, I used to have to guard Shady. Shady, oh. yeah, Shady, six eleven. You know, he's oh, eight. Yeah, six, six, no. he about six nine, six ten. You know, he went to the NBA. Yeah, but uh, I was also all, all defensive player too. So like, I shut Shady down about ten points. He, he averaged like thirty three points. 
And, you know, every, every time we played him, he was 10, 11 points. I was real strong defense. But I, I had to be the person that really guarded. Like, our big man, because Shady was a tall guard. Yeah. So our big man couldn't guard him. They was like center, so they were kind of slow. So, that was, you know, I had to, you know, build in that area. But, but honestly, that's when I really learned leadership, too. You know, yeah. I, I became a leader then and learned what leadership was by being the captain of the team and really have to carry the team. So that a lot of the stuff that I learned through basketball can't still walk, still carry through today and everything I do, you know, so. That's really good, man. You know, uh, then I went to, you know, so I ended up deciding not to, my senior year, was, it was like a crossroad. Like I had the sports opportunity and then the, I had already started having a little success in music, but my passion was more there. But in my mind, early on, it resonated early that I would have more control over that than I would have the sports. Sports, I mean, it, it takes a lot of, you got to have a lot of luck involved, too. You yeah. know, you can get hurt. If that don't happen, you, you got to go through certain certain uh, tunnels to get through there. You know, you got to go to the colleges. They got to like you. You got to do a lot of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Courtship. It's all that. Yeah, exactly. And it's still a toss-up because it's still they, a toss -up. they may have, they may promote, they may commit a scholarship to you. But if they have somebody that's a six three six four exactly. point guard exactly. that is a four star rather than a three star, you can get yeah. hurt playing. Yeah. Oh, man. Hurt. So it just wasn't. It wasn't enough control over that, you know. Yeah. And, I, and I had already seen like big homies that was to this day good enough to play in the NBA that didn't make it because of these certain things. Yeah. A couple of them got hurt. A couple of them just like you know, um, you know, they might got an attitude while they was in college and then. And the, and the coaches stopped like stop playing them, and that they you know obviously whole thing. And I was just like, man, I, I got to have more control of what I would do. So the music gave me a little more control. Like at the end of the day, I I had already seen results from something that I just went and did and put out myself, and I seen results, letting me know, okay, I got more control over this. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. if something don't happen or something do happen, it's up to me. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I took that route. Like I'm going to preview. And that was really one of the best decisions I made because Prairie was just like a social market to me. Like, I went down there for business. Definitely home base. Yeah, exactly. I went down there for business and uh, I learned so much just socializing and, and, and really building. I really, that's where I really popped my career off at, at Prairie View, you mm -hmm. know, because so many different people was from different places at Prairie yeah. View. So, you yeah. know, just by becoming popular out there, you know, with my music, it spread all across the region. People mm -hmm. from Houston, Louisiana, Oklahoma, yep. some was from Cali, some was, as a matter of fact, some of the, some of my biggest plugs was at PV, they were from Cali and like, I built a strong fan base while I was at Prairie View. In California, that ended up resonating later on. You know, when I started dropping records. You know, I thought about that, man, because that's how Facebook spread. So, do, I mean, you, I mean, do you do you think that's kind of people go home on their summer yeah. break and they take your the yeah, music? That's with, exactly yeah. what happened. And when I got the preview, Facebook was just now emerging yeah. to where like it was so big. That's all people was going on. Yep. And like you know, I was building was like a Facebook fan base yeah. on yeah, the Facebook. And I was building a fan base on there, and uh, I didn't really even understand Facebook then. Matter of fact, I had a DJ homie that was just like, "Hey, you need to just, you need to." I didn't, I wasn't really feeling like Facebook and MySpace at that time, but he was just like, "Hey, this, this the future, this the wave." And uh, you know, I got on there and I started building fans on there. So I was building fans on the internet. I was building fans right there at PV, which was a nucleus to a whole little region. 6,000 students, 7,000 yeah. undergrad and, students. And, so. Yeah, and within a year, couple of years, like, it, it ended up manifesting to something way bigger than I thought it was doing. You know, I ended up having a, a, a big name out here in Texas from just from mixtapes. I hadn't even been dropping singles then. And then while I was out there, 
you know, you had a lot of the sorority and fraternity stuff going on. Yeah. So, hey, I, we used to jam it, man. Like, keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, not right, I'm I'm an alpha, yeah, man, so but I, I heard making, that there was much love on that. Yeah, I started making uh, music based upon Shout that. Shout out to Theater. I started making music based upon it. Like, my very first <laughs> single that I made was uh, Walk That Walk, and that was yeah. because I was influenced by them sororities down there. I used to be like, man, it, it ain't, damn, yeah, I'm dead. <laughs> I, I gotta make something, I gotta have somewhere they can stroll to, because at that time, I was just popping from mixtapes, but I didn't have no, like, sing, I didn't have nothing played in the clubs or nothing like that, so I had to, like, teach myself how to make those type of records, and once again, like, I was, I had immediate success with that, and it just started from there, and it just started growing and growing and growing, and then you know, just. You got, you got, you got stopped because he, he like walking past like. I was like, it's so many nuggets you dropping. He said, he said, he said, he said, he said, he said. So, so you you saw a need, and then you said, I had to teach myself how to make that. So you reverse engineered how that is not a natural thing. Yeah. How you? What's that process? It was so different because what made me do it was. I had so many people that loved my mixtapes. They on the campuses back at home in Houston, like on people was hitting me up on Facebook and MySpace before I was really even understanding. Like, and they was they they wanted the mixtapes, which was just me rapping out other beats and you know what I'm saying, just doing what I did. But then, like, and I had a I had a nice fan base from that, right? Then it would be other rappers. That was uh, at that same time. That's right when the Dallas boogie movement was getting ready to start. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And like, so when, when that started happening, it was rappers that was coming that I had never heard of before, and they they had one song, and it would get big amongst PV and other places, and in Dallas and in Houston, and that song would be so huge, playing in every club that it was just like I was like, damn, I, like. This one, these rappers got one song, and I got all these mixtapes, and I'm popping. But like, you know what I'm saying? They getting booked for shows. I'm about to say that it's translating to money. Yeah, that's turning into money. Like that's so the whole. Different that's not thing. five, ten dollars a pop. Exactly. So I was just like, hey, I got like, what? I knew it was something I was doing wrong. I knew it was something I was missing. So I was like, maybe I need to, you know what I'm saying? Focus on like making. Cause I was at that time declared in my mind and even to other people as a mixtape rapper. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Which. You know, uh, I mean, starting off is good. But it has its place. Yeah, it has its place, you know. But then when I realized that it was more to it and, and, and I started seeing that, I was like, no, nah, I need to I need to sit down. I need to learn. This is a, I, I learned that I, that's a science. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I need to learn this science to actually make it a single. And uh, and I did that, you know what I'm saying? And I and I, and I took time and I and I kind of perfected that and started working on that. And then I, the first song, I, tried, I experimented with different records. But the first one where I really went out with was the Walk That Walk record because, you know, I put the science of what I had learned and what was going on and stuff and, and made, like, my first record. And, you know, it was really more about being more simple and more melodic and more relatable than it was going hard, you know what yeah. I'm saying, or the mixtape. So that was a hard thing. But once I learned that, you know, I really focused on that. And, uh, you know, I took that in. And, and then that that, start, that opened up a whole new well, world for well, me. Well, that's the LL Cool J model, right? Because yeah. he went in hard yeah. and got all the masculine, got all the testosterone. Yeah. But then once he finessed that mug and yeah, said, yeah. I need love, yeah. he was able he, he used to maximize his sex appeal. Exactly. And that's when the bucks happened because when you have sisters buying your yeah. stuff out. That's when I learned about that. Oh. Thing, that <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it, I mean, and, it, and, it's, and it's crucial in every industry. That's why it's important for inclusivity um, mm-hmm. because 
wherever there's women, men will follow. Exactly. And so, exactly. <laughs> and that's, how, that's how we would throw parties. We'd be like, oh, yeah. We'd be like, hey, man, yeah. uh, ladies in free. Yeah. Front you know, before 10 30. Uh -huh. yeah. sure. And don't necessarily don't work the other way around. No, <laughs> no, sir. Too many dudes. Yeah. yeah. Females didn't come, but the females, the dudes will come where the females go. So, so, so then, so then, so then you, you had walked that walk. And, and, and so at that time, were you, um, so you had formed your, your, uh, your company yeah. that, that went. I had, I, I had started Primetime Click and, uh, you know, I, I had co, I was co, uh, CEO of a label called Ingenious with my DJ. You know what I'm saying? And That's we, what I say. Did you meet your DJ in Murray. PV? Yeah. Or well, in, uh, well in I met him at PV. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You're still with him today. Yeah. Well, actually he jumped out the music game recently, okay. uh, you know, through some personal reasons, but I'm still still be back I'm in still. it. But yeah, now nah, he... But to the day that company we still own, but it's it's, it's completely different from uh, what I'm doing now. But then at that time, man, we we basically figured out a whole model down with the colleges. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And we really maximized on what was going on at, down at Preview, TSU, uh, everything, Lamar, all those colleges down there. You know, we it even got to the point where I, I was basically doing shows at every colleges. Like UNT out here, yep. you know TCU. I was doing the, everything in Houston. They started translating to Louisiana, and then it just it just started spiraling that's from there. That's beautiful, Doc. Yeah, yeah. So you know that was a special time, and it's still a special. It's still it still resonates now because to this day, because I know about that. Like like since on the twenty seventh, you know, it's some, uh, I got like a little thing set up with DJ Mister Rogers down at Preview for yep. Homecoming. You know, we are doing like this little uh, this little release with the with the project that I'm about to be doing. So I know, and I know exactly what I'm going into. I still know how to you know use that market. So it was just you know it was a, it was a big learning experience as well. Good deal. Mm -hmm. So 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 then, walk walk like so so you blew up on the West Coast, man. You gotta you gotta tell us about like yeah you know yeah. the West Coast, man, and and they love you, Calabar. I mean, and that's that. So that's crazy. LA so and the like, band. What happened was at that time, I had did all the steps of blowing, like doing everything in this region, Texas, Houston. I had never been to Cali, and my mind wasn't really there. Even though it was people from uh, Cali that was going to PV, and that was they was kind of spreading my music out there. But it wasn't until like the MySpace really when that really started popping. Like you know, by that time I started figuring out the internet, and I was just like, man, I I would drop mixtapes, or I drop, I was still doing mixtape, and I drop mixtapes and take songs and put them on the MySpace, and my MySpace was pretty popping at that time, so like people would come and listen to my music, but I remember uh, I dropped the mixtape, and I had put Ice Cream Paint Job on there, and I remember I was experimenting with that record because nothing that was out at that time was like at this tempo. It was weird yeah. texting everything it was it slow. Yeah, about yeah, nothing, nothing sound was sounding like that. Like it was totally out the left field, you know, which is why I didn't even think about it like that. I was just like, this is just something I liked. I had already, I had always liked up-tempo music. And then, you know, I, and, I, and I jumped out the gate and did it. And then I put it on my MySpace page. And like, I remember like the next day I put from, when I put it on there, it was a DJ that hit me up. He actually had always, DJ Amen, he from the Bay Area. He was on a radio station out there in San Francisco, Oakland. Yeah. And uh, he had always would come to my page to get music and try and break it out there. And he tried with like walk that walk and this and that. Cause he, he was in love with what was going on in the South. But the Bay... It's different. They go hype in that. Yeah, yeah. So, so they, it's, they wasn't on that at all. Yeah. 
But he liked it personally, so he was trying to figure out a way to break that out there, but it wasn't that's, working. That was actually a good bridge because it yeah, has that as fast as exactly. So when, when really I put good. the ice cream yeah. paint job on there, he hit me. He was like, hey, bro, what? He was like, what is this song? He was like, is this an original song? I was like, yeah, you know, I was like, I made it like a week ago or something. I was like, yeah, but I, you know what I'm saying? He was like, hey, bro, this, he was like, this it right here. <laughs> and, you know, I, but it, when he said that, because a lot of, I was dropping so much music at that time, and I had different music moving in different directions. Like, I, and I had a lot of DJs supporting me. That all the DJs were saying different records was it. So I didn't really take it like that. Yeah, said, you were like, okay, one. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I was just like, okay, I'm glad you like it, whatever. I, he told me to send it to him. I sent it to him, and then I remember the day I sent it to him, I hadn't heard from him. And like two weeks later, literally two weeks later, he hit me up and was like, hey, bro. He was like, you got the hottest record in the Bay Area right now. Ooh, that that's good. That I ever seen in my life. And I was like, what you mean? He was just like, bro, you remember when that record I took? He was like, I'm playing it on the radio and I'm playing it in the club. And it's literally blowing up the radio. Every time I play it, they blowing it up, this and that. And then the, the day he said that, like, I, I was like, I tuned in. The next day, I remember uh, DJ Merck was my DJ. He hit me. He was like, hey, bro. You got like three bookings in California right now. <laughs> I came out of nowhere. Because I had never been to California or nothing. And I didn't know nobody. I ain't have no connection with California other than that DJ. DJ. And me and him wasn't even really just connected, connected. He was just coming, you know, getting the music. This then, is, this is started, early with internet, this, too. Yeah, yeah, early, you know, it was like 2008, 2000, yeah, early 2009. Like, but like, anyway, he, he came and he was just like, uh, he was like, uh, hey, uh, he was telling me about how many bookings I was getting. And I and I just couldn't resonate how that was because at that time I still didn't understand the the, the, the internet like how I understand it now. Yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? Now it, was I know, still, it was still Yeah, yeah, so I didn't understand how, how people could just be on it like that. You know what I'm saying? And and, and, and then I ended up, we, I remember we, we took an old van, bro. We drove all the way from Dallas to the Bay Area. Man, like that is a long... Drive. I had my, brother, yeah, my, that's that's my brother, a couple of my homies, my DJ, and they switching up the driving the whole time. It took us 26 hours to get out there. And I literally went out there and did a show. And then from that show, I kept getting booked for shows out the show all through California. And I ended up staying for California for like a month straight. Man. We were literally going out there just for that one show. You know what I'm saying? I just kept getting booked and booked. And I was like, oh, this is a real thing. People knew who I was. And, it was just it just wasn't resonating with me like damn and then and then that's what started. People thought I was from out there because it blew people who didn't know who just had heard the music on the radio and heard it in the club. They were just like, oh, this must be a Bay Area artist. Yeah, because is it safe to say? Because because um, me and my wife were debating when we first got married. We didn't know where you were from because um, and, and you're from Dallas and, and, yeah. and you're from Dallas. Like you kind of were at the beginning of inventing that Dallas sound, right? Yeah, that, yeah, it, yeah, it was yeah, new. Yeah, I was exactly. like, is this, is this Louisiana? Is yeah, this, yeah, because it, it's, yep, it's that. I was actually, you know, I was definitely, it, it was it was me, maybe a couple other people that was really inventing that sound, but I was heavy on what the Dallas sound was, you know, mm -hmm. because it, it, Dallas sound is kind of, it, it's infused with a natural Texas sound, but it got a little, it, especially at that time, it had a little Louisiana in there, yep. you know. Yeah, and, that, and little that gospel was, in there too. Yeah, yeah, it had, they just had that soul. It had a certain type of feel to it that when you heard it, you knew it was Dallas music. And yep. then I, a lot of the producers was creating their own Dallas sound, so it was just going hand in hand. So at that time, man, it was just so much going on, and I literally had like this West Coast thing blowing up, and they saw me this way, and I had this South thing going on. So 
I was going back and forth, back and forth, and it just kept getting bigger from there, you know? And that was just like a blessing. And that was our independent, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. With no major label behind it, nothing, you know, we started the whole wave just internally. And that's also what taught me a lot of, about the whole independent and business aspect of it, you know, to this day. I, I want to tie in, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, go ahead. I want to tie in what you said earlier in high school with being a leader in, in basketball. Yeah. And on one of your influences, especially your sister, and, and then going to Prairie View and pretty much building your team. It sounds like you built your team very similar to building your basketball team. So yeah. you translate that quote well. Talk to me a little bit about that. And that's crazy because that didn't even resonate that I was naturally doing it because that's kind of exactly what I did. Like when I when I built Primetime Click, I remember like I already having a buzz, but I was just like, man, I want a team. You feel me? And I want, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know, I, I want this to be something bigger. Because my whole goal then once I got the TV and saw what it was and saw what I was and just started filling it out, I'm just like, oh, nah, I got to take over PV as far as on some music and then the whole thing, what I saw, I got to take this over, you know what I'm saying? And then that's when I was like, you know, I need to, you know, I need to be a team, I need to do this and this and that. And I just started putting it together. But like, it, it, it was, it was similar to how, you know, I would put together like basketball teams from, you know, we went up to the wreck and put yep. together a team. Like, you know what I'm saying? I made sure I always put together the right team. You Scott, know? you got the right players for yeah, the right yeah, position you know, so, to you be know, successful. Yeah. But even when I was doing that then, I wasn't that, I wasn't thinking, I wasn't thinking that. I wasn't thinking like I'm going to build this like I'm going to build a basketball team. I just kind of naturally did it, but it that's didn't good. resonate to later. That's the that. best time. That's the best way to do it. Yeah, it didn't resonate to later that like, you know, I, I guess I got that from, you know what I'm saying, the, the whole basketball thing. So that's why I say to this day, a lot of stuff that I did and did happen when I played ball is still translated later on in my life even to this day to where I, I'm happy about that, you know, because a lot of people, when they just say they was into sports like that mm -hmm. and then it don't work out or they don't pursue it, you know, they kind of resent it, you know what I'm saying, and they, and they don't really see that, you know, it's a lot of lessons that come from that that you're really going to take to your life for the whole, you know, for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, and that's what I end up doing. And that's how that, you know, kind of translated through basketball and music. That's good. Well, so 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 then, so now, now we're at the part where you, like, you are, you nationwide, man. What... What are some of the um, who are some of the coolest coolest hip hop artists you met, man, that you really enjoyed meeting and hanging yeah. out with? Man, I done met everybody. Uh, I mean, from I remember when I did the Beatles Hill Wars in, in two thousand nine. By by this time, I had did a lot of features, you know what I'm saying. But I remember at the two thousand nine awards, um, you know, when I met Snoop Dogg. Well, first of all, when I met when I got on the awards, now this is when I did end up signing an independent deal with E1, which is mm -hmm. Koch Records. It was still independent, but the record head got so big that, you know, they came and they was like, hey, you know, we're we going to blow this up and make it, you know, a number one record. Like, you know, you, 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 you're going to have to have this to be able to do that. So we, we worked out like a little side, a little independent deal. But anyway, when the BET Awards came out, they reached out and they wanted me to perform. And then they wanted, but we was putting together a remix at the time. So the label was like, hey, you're going to need a little more star, star power for your first performance on TV. Yeah. You know, we gonna, you know, we, you know, you should get Snoop Dogg, this and that. Snoop Dogg had hit them and was just like, hey, I got a, a new artist that I just signed or that I'm dealing with named Nipsey Hussle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So he was like, well, we want to put him on there and then I'll come perform. So Nipsey Hussle hopped on the song. Nobody in the world knew who Nipsey was at this time. You know what I'm saying? I was the first one to put him on that big, on that big stage, on that song. But before we performed, 
I met Snoop Dogg like maybe 30 minutes before we performed. I remember I was in, coming out the BT trailer, and then uh, they were they were just like, oh, my DJ was like, hey, Snoop wanna holler at you. And then I went to his trailer, and then he was just in there. And me, I wasn't, that was gonna be my biggest performance to that day. And I wasn't really nervous, but I was focused. I was just like, I gotta, in any other show, I would just naturally do. Like, I, I don't really just, I kind of just vibe when I get there. Like, mm-hmm. to this day, if I do a show, it's not really much preparation because it's kind of in me yeah. and it come out. But that day, I was just like, hey, I'm, I need to think about what, you know, what this is because it's the first time I'm be doing this. And this is not just the people in the crowd. Right. It's, it's TV, too. Yeah. Right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, so you, know, you had to be crisp. Yeah, I had to be. I, I feel, so, I feel, so, I feel where you're about to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I feel like you, you stay in Texas and Snoop is staying in California. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, <laughs> I got you. I got you. So, like, so, <laughs> so like, respect. Was, yeah, so basically, I was just like, uh, you know, I, I started thinking about, it, I was focusing, and then you know, my DJ was like, "Yeah, Snoop, wanna highlight you real quick?" And in my mind, the way that I was picturing it, like for the before those big type of shows. I, would, I always thought other artists was doing the same thing, like, you know what I'm saying? But it, it didn't resonate. I mean, Snoop, of course, was OG, this and that, and he'd been doing that. So when I'm in this trailer, like, he got his robe on. He <laughs> yeah, he's like, this is another day. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he's telling jokes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Spired up, smoking, this and that. And I go in there and meet him, and he just he just joking with me, this and that. And he was just like, hey. He was like, um, he was like, he was like, you ready? I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm ready. He was just like, you ain't ready until you hit the blunt. Dude. Yeah, the blunt. Like, <laughs> I so you Snoop. went Cali. You went Cali on dog. I smoked with Snoop, and then that, and then that just made me was like, oh, yeah. to me that I didn't even everything that I was feeling. I was like, it went out the door. You know, so I got super relaxed. You know what I'm saying? And then I just went out there, I rocked the show, and we kicked it out there. And that was just like the oh, greatest man. introduction that I could have had to an audience. You know, because mm-hmm. every other audience I've met. It was all through maybe at the, it was just a different type of way. Like every every way I met an artist was in a good way. Yeah. That was the best way. It was just yeah, like yeah, yeah. it was. Well, it was picture perfect, dog. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was like so it was like your dream. Yeah, like you know he like, did Dark Style in '93. Yeah, like then, you, you, know, you met a you met a, a pantheon type hip hop artist. Yeah, exactly. not Rushmore hip hop. Exactly, exactly. That's and good. Then, you know, you know, right after that, you know, I had did the Get Big record and that had got big, and then we. Did, did the remix and you know that's when uh All Star came to Dallas. All Star yeah, yeah, yeah. And when All Star Weekend came to Dallas, everybody came to Dallas and, and at that time, you know, I hit the city on fire from all the records and stuff and, and Diddy reached out to me, you know what I'm saying? And I ended up going to the radio station and meeting Diddy and we got cool and this and that changed numbers and you know what I'm saying, um we uh we went out, you know, I kinda parted with him, just kinda kicked it with him and his crew, learned a lot. And then I remember like a week, maybe three weeks later, we was getting ready to do the Get Big remix. The Get Big was peaking at like number 10 on the charts at that time. And, and, and we was getting ready to do the remix. And then I was just like, man, I'm, I'm trying to put together a crazy remix. And I put it together myself. And I was just like, man, you know what? I got Diddy now. I'm just going to shoot him. I'm just going to shoot him and text me and see what he say. So I, I hit him up and I was just like, hey. I was like, hey, the dub. I showed him, I was like, Get Big remix. You know, we number 10 on the chart. We're doing a remix. I love to have you on there. We'll do our send him a text message. Not even expecting him to hit me back. Like, I remember I hit him, and like three minutes later, he hit me back. He was like, he just sent me his email. So, you know. Uh, send the file. Yeah, yeah. So I sent the file, and then he was like, hey, this, he was like, this fire, bro. Write me a verse. He sent it, and then I ended up writing a verse, but he liked the half of it. He didn't like because it, it was two texts. I'm about to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, you know, he got with somebody else, and he was like, hey, we're going to lay the verse. I'm going to send it right back to you. 
He sent it to me like the next day, bro, and I was just like, wow, I got a verse from Diddy. And then, you know, I put the remix together. I ended up getting DJ Drum on there, uh, Bum B, Yo Gotti, uh, Charlie Lowe at that time, Maino. It was just like a, a, it was a uh, diamond from uh, Crime My. She was popping at that time, so she was on there. It was just a big remix, and it was kind of, it was spread out with the artists. And uh, BET Wars came around, and it was in Atlanta, and I was out there, and then I remember we were shooting a video, but I was just like, I probably gonna get Diddy for the video. He just woo -woo, sent the same text message in. Long story short, he ended up coming through the video shoot, did his part, you know what I'm saying? Everybody there was like shocked, cause it was, that was the first time I, everybody that was on that song met Diddy. So I, I was a bridge between wow. Yeah, like Gotti. Oh, so you became Diddy. the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like none of them had met him. He came in, everybody met him. We did the, we did the song. And uh, you know, I ended up putting the putting the song out myself. It was actually bigger than the the Koch E One had gave me a remix that they put together, and my remix was way bigger. Mm -hmm. You know, I said than the artists that they got, and like that became a conflict of interest. So that's kind of where the bridge separated a little bit between me and E One because they didn't want to put the money behind the. They didn't want to clear. Diddy did all that for me, but he they, he was with his label. It was going to take a clearance. Yeah. That would have been worth them paying, but they didn't really want to do that because they felt like, as an artist, you know, I kind of outshine them. They're not used mm -hmm. to the artists moving like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I just did what made the most yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, Really, to me, if I'm a record label and my artist did that, I would love that. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes, you it's know. territorial, folks. Your territorial. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and they end up not wow. putting the money behind it, so I end up doing it myself. You know what I'm saying? And I end up recouping everything, and it made sense. But then that's when I really learned. Like, okay, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to really learn that the industry is a certain type of way. And, and, and But I know how to, now, from that moment, I knew I could have success independent at a high level. Yeah. If, you know what I'm saying? If I if I pursued that. So, you know, it was just a lot of stuff going on. I met, you know, I, from then I did features pretty much everybody after that. You know, uh, I mean, Wiz, Fridge Montana. Wale, uh, I mean, I can't really think of nobody who I really haven't done some type of feature with. But then, you know, as time went on, I started realizing that features are dope and they're going to always be dope. But I started thinking about, like, when I first came out, what gave me my biggest power in my records was all independent records. Yeah. Like, my biggest records was all independent, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's when I really learned that, like, okay, there's ways to do this, but at the same, end of the day, People love just that originality of mm -hmm. who, you know who I am and you know and what I was doing and that was really resonate even more. So I mean the features gave me a whole different look. Don't get me yeah, wrong, yeah. It, was, it was it was real good and I'm glad I did it. But then I started like even to this day, like I got a lot of songs with features right now that I still haven't released and I will release at some point. But like I I put out a whole project well not really features because. You know, I'm putting people back in that mind frame. Okay, you know, you're gonna get this. It's kind of like the joke J Cole method. Like, yeah. of course, J Cole can get features for anybody, but he understands how important it is. We were just talking about that earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what I'm saying to give the 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 when you start giving people features, and I know this is myself. Like, they're gonna always want that feature. Yeah. You drop a project, first question is like, who you got on there, yeah. and that's the, what you don't want. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, because 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 the jump back was mostly you, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. it, was, it, was, it was dope, it was, man. It was, it was, it was, I, I mean, anybody yeah. that was on there was like, uh, you know, even local artists. Like, it was gonna be like within my own power to put other people yeah, on your arms. Like, the only big feature on the jump back is Boosie, and I, and I didn't. His name is not even 
artwork. When you see it on Spotify or whatever, mm -hmm. you it, it's a, like a surprise on there. Like he don't know be legend, but it don't say featuring Boosie because even that, like I just we did the record and, and it's dope, but I, I didn't really want you know no attention on no features. You know, and that's a strategic way to do things these days to really just, you know, get your fans and get the fans really focused back on, you know, you create music as a solo artist and going from there. I think that's a great transition. I know that we have a question from Joe James. I'm on Facebook. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And uh, he pretty much had, shout out to Joe James and his wife. Um, amazing family, entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, both of them. Both yeah, of them. Exactly. Um, he said, how did your transition into a business, how did you transition into a business mogul? Like, you like what we're hearing we heard dope stuff as an artist but yeah, yeah, yeah. again you're you have that captain mentality bro yeah and so how are you able to translate all that type of stuff into the business mindset to where you can be that connector of yeah. dealing with these other southern artists and stuff like that yeah well you know once i started dealing with people like diddy and, and, and you know what i'm saying that, that it started giving me a different type of energy to where like you know i see things i start seeing stuff different where like even even during this time i like, I didn't become a, a fan of Jay-Z until, like, my recent years. Like, really? growing I was never, like, into that. But, like, you know, uh, when I started becoming, like, a, when I started growing as an artist, and, and I started getting, you know, coming across different artists and just start learning the industry myself and learning stuff through trial and error and through just experience and moving around, and then I started becoming a different fans of, like, Hove and this and that, then I start understanding that, oh, it's a bigger game. Right. And what really taught me that, when, when that happened with Get Big, when the remix, that's what really, like, taught me, like, oh, like, you, it's not, you can, it is a such thing as, like, I thought that was a good move. Like, cause like, a week before I did that remix, right, they gave me a remix that I wasn't happy with. It was, mm -hmm. it was a lot of E1 artists that they were trying to break their head, and they had some cool artists on there, and it was all right, but I was just like, I got relationships myself that I know, even if I didn't have Diddy on there, I got other relationships. I was like, I personally can, because when, when you sign to a label, they start you certain things, they want to crack. It's a machine. Yes, yeah, it's a machine. Because they, so they, they, they got their yeah, own yeah. way of how they're trying to do it, because they're like, oh, we could have put all this money in there. We might as well break this artist that we got signed on the label, and this artist, we might as well put them on his remix. Yep. And you know what I'm saying? But yeah. like that, that didn't make mm -hmm. me happy as well. Right. That's not what I wanted to do. But I didn't realize that, you know what I mean? I, so I was like, man, you know, this time, you know, I was like, man, I'm going to just put together my own remix and, and they're going to be happy about it when I give it to them. I'm thinking that, you know what I'm saying? But really, they wasn't happy about it. They, they, they actually, they were surprised that I was able to do that. And they, and they, because even one person from the label that's not with the label no more, he was just like, hey, when we had that meeting, like, you, you really shocked them. Like, they didn't know that you, you know, you was that, you had that type of, you know, because you got to have respect from artists to get featured, because I never yeah. paid for feature. I never have paid for a feature in my life. So wow. all these features I'm Wow, that's I'm, huge, bro. Yeah, so that they, they giving me these out of respect. You know what I'm saying? So for me, even if I do a feature for an artist, I got to respect him for me to give you a free feature. Yeah. I got to respect your crap and think you're a dope artist or a dope person or both for me to just stop my time and give you a free, free feature. So all my features, you know, because they know I wasn't paying Diddy. Like, whatever he was charging, that time <laughs> yeah. I wasn't able to pay no Diddy. So, like, when I when I gave him that remix, that really showed them, like, okay, like, oh, these artists, they respected them and this and that. And they was, and, and the dude from the label, he was just like, 
you know, uh, it didn't really sit well with some people because they were just like... Well, you, you trumped a lot of folks. Exactly, you know what I'm saying? Because that label is a independent label, too, and they really not... He was basically saying that remix I gave him was bigger than them. Yeah. That's basically yeah. what he said, yeah. you know yeah. what I'm saying? But I thought I was doing a good thing. I was like, are they going to be happy about this? I know they're going to put the bread with for them. You know what I'm saying? They wasn't happy about it, but that taught me then, once it all resonated and settled, I was like, oh, so like... That's when I knew that okay, you gotta get you gotta get your own control yeah, in this game, yeah. like cause you know what I'm saying, cause I was really hurt behind that because I knew how much I put into that and how much that meant, and then you know for me to I wanted to let the the, the the ball drop after all that hard work, so I had to put my own money behind mm -hmm. it, but I wasn't tripping, I knew it was gonna be worth it, but that's not necessarily where I was at at that right, time, right. so. That's what made me be like, okay, you know, I need to, I need to sit back and learn like the business of it because I want to have control over my yeah. destiny now. Because that's when I first started saying that, okay, this is, this is how artists be unhappy. Then mm -hmm. when they always be saying like, oh, they, they always got some type of conflict with the label. They always say the label don't give them this type of freedom. They got to move when the label say move. They don't got their own type of control to do this. And that's when I start realizing like, oh, that's really a true thing. Mm -hmm. Like, because at that time I hadn't had no more issues like that, so I didn't get it. But that was the moment when I really started realizing like, oh, I need to learn the business. You feel me? I need to. It, it's bigger than just the art. Like, you know, if I really want to, you know, come out with my own power and control of what I'm my own artistry and be happy, then I'm going to have to learn the business. And that's when I just switched up a lot of stuff I was doing and started moving in a whole different way. You know that's, what I'm saying? You, you, know, you know, it's funny, man, because as as you're talking, I'm like, the music business is just like venture capital. Yeah. Right? All, all they do is they have a bunch of startups and they invest a little bit of money in roll, all of them. Roll up stuff. Yep, they, they know yeah. they're going to lose 80% of their money on... You know, if they invest in ten companies, they'll lose on eight of them. But the two that pays off it's gonna make pays it everything else, and they push and, and they push the companies to do not what's in the best interest of the company, but to 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 yeah. I'm like, man, it's it's just the, it's, it's exactly same like thing. that, bro. You know, and 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 I and, and I had to learn that through experience and kind of trial and error. But once I did come to that conclusion, that's when I I literally switched up everything in the way I was moving, the way I was thinking. The way I was putting out music, the way I was even creating it, because I was just like, oh, you know, that really, that really had hit me with a big blow, because you know what I'm saying? Like I said, like I thought I was doing something major for them and for myself as an artist, and, it, and for that to backfire, you know, it, it just left me in a space where I had to think about a lot of stuff, and then I, I switched it up there, and I think that's what put me in that mode. Got it. So, speaking, so, so, speaking of business, shouts out to Larry London watching it. He's a, I don't want to call him an OG, but he's definitely a, a local <coughs> guy who's done some crucial stuff in the marketing space here in oh, Dallas. Okay. I don't know if you know Larry Lundy. His, uh, his father owned, uh, it, was, it was a doctor here off of MLK, but he was one of the pivotal people bringing Southern and Grambling to the uh, oh, classic. Okay. For sure. So on, on NBC. So shouts out to Larry Lundy. What's up, big bro? So, uh, and, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll, we'll start to wrap it up a bit, um, but, 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 but definitely want to uh, talk about like, you got a lot of stuff going on right now, man. Yeah. yeah. So what, what? So you you had the road day September twenty second. Yeah, yeah. You know we got rained out actually. You know, uh, so you know the day got rained out because we moving it. Actually, I got a meeting. I think Wednesday of next week. Okay. To you know choose a new day. Okay. You know, uh, but now that I'm thinking about it, it might even work in my best interest because next year, twenty nineteen, is gonna be the ten year mark from my first album. The, you know, the ice cream paint job, all this stuff, everything that happened in my career that made me a national artist and a mainstream artist, 
it marks the 10 year mark. So I'm thinking about doing a whole thing around that, making a Duro day around that, doing a, you know, like a Duro X project, you know what I'm saying? Like a, you know, a whole thing and, and making it real big just because that's a, you know, a signature time. So, um, but right now, you know, even inside that, you know, I dropped a jump back, you know, I dropped a jump back this summer and, uh, you know, it, that project is starting to resonate. Like I dropped, I dropped a jump back to, to reconnect, you know, uh, with, 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 I got different, the thing about me is I got different type of fans and I think that's what make me unique as an artist and then also make it a little tough because I have fans that like see, that know and look at me as different type of the roles when it came to music. Like some of them like this, some of them like this, some of them like that and collectively it's a good thing, you know what I'm saying? But now I done found a strategic way to give everybody what they want and still, you know, do it and still have my artistry the way that I want to do it as well. Yeah. So that's kind of the jump back is kind of like a, a bridge in between some of the other stuff that I'm about to be doing. And I'm ready for the split off and kind of two bridges, uh, bridges as an artist. You know, the role music being a, a certain type of artist and who I, I always is. And then, you know, the 6'3 side of it, which is what the 6'3 is. 6'3 is just an AKA that people have been calling me since I hooped. And, and yeah. you know I'm saying? They've been translating the music. A lot of my fans call me that. You know, I've done like a couple tours in Japan, which is why I got the Japanese writing in my head. It stands for 6'3. For six, when I did my first tour out there, I had some fans come up to me. And uh, one of them, they knew me at 6'3, like out there, you know, because they had been a lot of my mixtapes that I was dropping at that time. That was what was in them, and, and you know, they, one of them came to me with a little drawing, and he had drew like this design in my head. It was Japanese six three, and I didn't know what it mean. He was like, he was like, hey, this means six three, and the way he drew it was so dope that I was like, hey, when I get back to Texas, when I get back home, I'm gonna get this cut in my head. <laughs> I was trying to get stuff cut in my head, man. Yeah, I'm getting those feeds too, Doc. We seeing Prime with the with how he looked two years ago, a year ago, and today. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. So now when they did that, I I just thought it was special, and I ended up you know actually doing it coming back, and then I remember uh you know he had hit me on Instagram, I sent it to him, man. Like so basically, I got fans that resonate, and I mean I got of course I got the Duroh music fans, but I got like a whole new. Younger generation of fans that that don't even they see six three like mm -hmm. they don't even make the connection with some of the other music that I made. They only make the connection with the newer music like from two thousand fourteen and up. Yeah, you know what I'm wow. saying? And, and they and they look at and they they don't even call me the road. They just think of six three. So now I'm at a point where okay, I gotta make I could now I'm, I'm splitting the brands up to where like now like the jump back is more of a six three project wow. but it's infused with a little but that's more of a six three project mm -hmm. you feel me so it's like titty boy and two chains type exactly thing. that's the best way to put it but 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 it's a little different the only difference is well the label made him change it, yeah he had to because titty boy want a commercial mainstream name right. he couldn't go on tv at that time and be like i'm right. titty boy you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah whereas the road music and six three they just kind of like they almost like two different characters, you know what I'm saying? It's like, like the digital underground. It's, it's just yeah. like the Humpty Dance. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's it's really a throwback, and that's a uh, bass style. But um, yeah, yeah, it's like it's like a, it's like two different characters. To where now I done got to the point where in 2019, I'm, it's gonna be the first time I actually release release an actual six three project where it's up awesome, under six three, mm. and, and, and and I'm gonna release a Darrell music project like close similar around the same time to where the people so. Nobody won't get confused, but they'll see the difference. Like, 
And then, you know, now it'll satisfy, like, the people that want this. I know what to give them and how to give it to them. And yeah, then, yeah, and then yeah. if they don't want this at all, they don't got to go listen. You know what I'm saying? It, it's yeah. just like, and to me, as an artist, I think that's the first time as an artist, somebody ever came to that conclusion to be able to do that, do both, and yeah. yeah, yeah, do both, and it makes sense, and it don't, it don't mess up either or. So that's kind of what I'm doing with. So that's why I'm excited. That's, that's smart, stuff. right? Because because when Kanye switched up on me, I was like, oh man. Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah. that same because when you exactly so like yeah. you say if Kanye West had, that's but see the good thing about it too is I've naturally done it. Like it, 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 it's not like a force. So like. You know, people get it already. So when I do it, they're gonna be like, "Oh, okay." You know what I'm saying? And, and it really just kind of came out like it's probably what I should do because people come back. You know, I do shows and they and they be mixed in with different people that like mm-hmm. different music I did, and and I can literally see like the difference between when I'm doing this and this, <laughs> and they be like this side. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, man, it's dope. But I need to figure out how to do this in a different way to make it make sense, and that's what I came to yeah. conclusion with. So that's why I'm excited about. That's why I'm so excited about 2019 because it's really fair to be like a whole new reinvention of myself as an artist and expansion, but also keeping my foundation and being able to do what I always done and and and, and, and done in the past, and it still resonate with you know the fans that you know I always had, and I still get to grab new fans. And it, and it just it's kind of like two worlds. So yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna, it's gonna really be like the first time. It's really the way that I'm gonna do it. It ain't never been done like that because yeah. you know what I'm saying. But a good way, another way to look at it is like Jay Z when he Jay Z when he when he did Hove and this and that mm-hmm. when they switched yeah. it up. But it's they Jay Z never put out music under Hove. Right, right, right. You know what right, I'm right, saying? Right. So that's like his alter ego. Yeah, yeah. Jay Z. Yeah. Exactly. But you actually, but, but I'm whole, actually, you have a whole different demo. demo. Exactly, like you can approach because, it like, because, and I feel like my basically on the six three, it's it's a, just a younger fan base. That's basically what, yeah, it is. like yeah. high school and college is kids. They, that's what they resonate See, with. See, I so. identify with the wrong music, but I yeah. respect six three. Yeah, exactly, because that's the new wave of hip hop. Exactly, exactly. It shows so, your versatility. Exactly. So you know, uh, you know, and, it, and that's another thing. It, it'll satisfy my artistry because it'll give me, it'll give me a platform to be versatile as I know yeah. I am, and still. You know, uh, you know how my fan base is understanding what I'm doing. You and, know, and, and you and you re, and you're one of the only three artists to have like a deal with like a professional team, oh, yeah, right? Too. Yeah, actually, I'm the only in it. I mean, only artist to ever have a deal with the NFL. With the NFL, period. Wow. The other two artists, which is Drake and Chance the Rapper, uh, Chance the Rapper got to deal with the Red Sox, uh, Chicago White yeah. Sox, or Red Sox, whatever. White Sox, yeah. White Sox, yeah. And then Toronto. And then Toronto. The Raptors was basketball. Yeah. But you got the $4 billion contract. The big most, <laughs> big, biggest sports team. A billy, a billy, a billy, a billy. The biggest sure. sports team in the world. So, you know, and, and, and I'm a natural cowboy fan, so, like, it ain't nothing for us or nothing like that in this yeah, hometown. Man. So, that's just another good thing. As a matter of fact, they're getting ready to put out the new uh, uh, anthem that. You know, we that we did. Uh, I did the anthem for them for the, this season that they're gonna put out. Probably after they win this game Sunday against Houston, they're gonna put it out this week for that's sure. Stuff. You know what I'm saying? So and that's gonna be a big thing. But you know, it just and that, and that, that's more like that's more the real music, like you know, the stuff I do with that, everything. You know what I'm saying? And it's it just all coming together to where you know I'm, I'm gonna be able to open up a whole new world of you know artistry and business. Good, yeah, merging together. Yeah, man. Well, man, uh, appreciate you coming out. Yeah. Appreciate you coming on in here. Thanks for letting me crash your show, bro. <laughs> y'all, y'all got anything else y'all want to? 
well, share and talk about? Do you mind if I give a shout out to the I, venue I, we're in? I would appreciate you do the, doing that because this is a very, this is a this is a very nice venue. Hey, look, Kelly, my wife. When you watch this, we're gonna have to do like a staycation. Staycation in Yeah, we're at the historic Statler Hotel, um, a curio collection um, by Hilton. Um, it was restored um, by Madai Moyeli, and he he did an amazing job. Um, we have five bars here. If you want to bowl, you can bowl here. Ping pong. We have a speakeasy. Shouts out to Bourbon and Bampton for our beverages. Um, we have a ramen spot you can go to. We have an authentic Chinese restaurant that's a five-star Chinese restaurant um, called uh, Pure China. It's amazing here. We have we have uh, over easy. As you can tell, I'm selling the mess out of this, but uh, <laughs> this this is the Vegas and Embassy in Dallas, Texas. And so uh, this is a great hotel. We got a rooftop spot, so and, and we're at the space where you can look at everything. It's fall weather, so it's about to be nice in the 75, 80 degree weather. So come down to the Statler, 1914 Commerce Street, here in the heart of downtown Dallas. Hey y'all, look, and I beg, I beg Matt. I beg Matt not to go political on this one, but if y'all want to hear Matt and politics and Kavanaugh, like go to the porch with Yes, sir. <laughs> so I, I got to give a shout out to my partners in crime, Harrison Blair and Stephanie Clark, Steph the Chef. Um, we have a Facebook Live show every Tuesday night um, called The Porch with Harrison Blair. And Matt, he's now sending the link on here so that you like us um, and tune in. We, we talk about all types of subjects. Phillip's been on and he just killed it. Like he wrecked shot on his episode. I think. So, I thank think, you. I think I have. Me. I think I have the most views on your uh, Facebook. You probably I'll, do. I'll, I'll like you were. I went back and checked this week. Like you are. You were a beast. Like yeah, no lie. That. So thank. Thank you hey, for man, all that you're doing. You appreciate you for having me. So. All right, y'all. That's that's it. Hey man, y'all have a great weekend. God bless. Yeah, yeah. Peace. <laughs>